Hi, I'm Corey Chambers in Los Angeles. Your home sold guaranteed or I'll buy it. I'm going to talk a little bit about some things that are fun to me today. And you know how I like technology. Of course, I like real estate. But technology, for me, was there before real estate. So was business and entrepreneurism. One of my first memories, not one of my very first, but one of my early memories. I was about five. Yeah, I was about five years old. Went with my mother. I uh, always enjoyed going shopping with my mother to the store. Uh, we went to, she always liked thrift stores, secondhand stores, things like that. And we went to one that had, uh, this is in around 1971. Five years old, mother was about in her late 20s. And so we went to this thrift store. I think this was in a fairly old uh, building, very plain, had a lot of stuff in there, clothing, appliances. And I asked my mother to buy something for me, which was... I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was some type of little cooking appliance, possibly, which would explain why I spend way too much time cooking, even though I have other things, uh, you know, higher things to do, real estate, marketing, making money, helping other people to make money, helping other people to sell their homes, buy places, lease, and all that fun stuff. And technology, of course. But I obviously like cooking, but there was something else that I really liked because I think it was the first time that I was really excited and curious about commerce, that my the actual process of my mother buying this thing, giving money for something and receiving the thing in exchange for the money. And at that point, understanding the value of money and, while at the same time being very enamored with this little cooking, I I would say it was like a... I don't... I'm probably very far off of what it was, but thinking back, it might have been some sort of small griddle or something. Just picture like a one-pancake griddle electric but it might not have even been anything remotely similar to that it's just I'm just trying to piece together something from my mind which is not always that great at capturing details uh, one of my masculine qualities is that I uh, just tend to look at the big picture and not look at all the little uh, details that much one of my few masculine qualities. And so the reason I brought that up is because I want to talk about entrepreneurism, business, money. So one thing I wanted to bring up is one of the first Apple stores. One of the very first Apple stores. This is just seven years later, 1978 when I was 12 years old. So the Apple store had 
the brand new Apple II computer. Very exciting. The Apple II was really the first Apple computer that was, you know, mass marketed and a commercial success. Really the first home computer that was a commercial success was the Apple II. Uh, and the reason why I was lucky enough to be one of the first people to use Apple computers is because we lived just a few blocks away from the Apple. Um, it was not called an Apple store. It was not an Apple store. It was called the Byte Shop. B-Y-T-E, Byte Shop. And just a few blocks past that was California State University, Long Beach, where we also went. So the Byte Shop had, um, if you go there now, it's on the corner of Stearns and Bellflower. I think it's Bellflower and Stearns. It's right across the street from the, not Delamo. It is uh, right next door to the Wendy's. You'll see a Wendy's restaurant. Then you'll see a very tiny, not a strip mall because it's too small. It just has, I think, two, two to three stores. So right now, what used to be the bite shop, uh, last time I went there, was a, a dry cleaners. So the bite shop, I think, probably lasted until about 1985, 1990, maybe 1995. It probably went away when Steve Jobs went away. So I wanted to describe that because nobody has pictures of it. I haven't seen, I've scoured the internet. I could not find any pictures. I found pictures of the bite shop in San Marino or wherever it is in the Silicon Valley near San Francisco was the I think the first bite shop Long Beach might have been the second or one of the one of the first bite shops was Long Beach because uh, it was there uh, basically right at this almost the same time as the Apple II was released they probably coincided more or less so the uh, what is now it's a retail establishment in a very uh, middle class, almost upper middle class part of Long Beach. Um, but that's middle class very much right there. Um, but then you get just a tiny bit closer to the uh, university and it goes up to upper middle class neighborhoods, a little bit more pricey. Those are definitely over a million dollars now, whereas the house we lived in right now would probably be only about... Uh, Five hundred, uh, about six hundred thousand would probably be that house. So, um, but I wanted to describe the bite shop to you because it's a historic thing for everyone who likes Apple. Everybody who likes Apple stores. Uh, it was not owned by Apple. Apple did not have any Apple stores back then. Um, but this was the closest thing you could get to at that time to an Apple store. But it had other computers from several manufacturers. But they just had a relationship with Apple, and they were, I think, the number one retailer of um, Apple, Apple II computers back then. Uh, so we were very enterprising young men when we were 12 years old. Uh, we were um, kind of geeky into computers, into electronics, into the future. We liked futuristic, spacey stuff. 
So we definitely appreciated it very much. So we went there almost every day sometimes because they would let us to play with the computers and to program them in basic. So we learned how to program uh, computers on them. We learned basic and we wrote some, we wrote some pretty fairly useless programs. I wrote a game um, that was kind of like the adventure games back then, which were text-based. Even Star Trek was mostly text-based. For graphics, it would use, you know, asterisks and dashes and, um, you know, just those basic symbols. Uh, in those days, computers did not even have really, like, raster or vector image processing in those days. They were all just text. To make a picture, the shopping malls just came out with a camera, and the camera, well, a video camera, would take your picture and to put it on a T-shirt. And the way that they did that in the mall, like at Lakewood Center Mall, uh, which I love that mall. It had these, it was one of the first malls, I think, in the United States, perhaps. The first mall I ever went to that was, it was an open mall, then they made it into an enclosed mall, and they put in some kind of futurist or futuristic sort of um, colorful sculptures, really huge plastic, a big plastic red sculpture that was just a futuristic uh, sculpture, basically, which I thought was really cool. I think it was maybe surrounded by a fountain or maybe not. Um, but Lakewood Center. So back to the bite shop. The uh, you, you'd walk in and you'd see an Apple computer kind of in the back on a on a table that you was a obviously a demonstration computer with a monitor and a um, disk drive, floppy floppy disk drive. And the um, but they also would have another mm, generic computer. Uh, uh, one with like a green monitor, just green and black. <laughs> so the Apple II really was the first color uh, computer as well, and it was kind of the first one with, with sound. So it was really the first one made for humans, for con consumers, not just computer geeks. And, the, um, and it had a, lot of, uh, a fair number of games for it. So I was very excited. I asked my dad to buy one for me, but they were expensive. It was about $800. In 1978, $800, $800 was a lot of money. That was about... I'd be spending like... Uh, maybe like $3,000 these days on a computer. So uh, most people don't have $3,000 to spend on a computer today. And our family was middle class at best back then. Sometimes paycheck to paycheck, my parents. And then, um, but my friend Lloyd, my best friend who I hung out with, who I used to go to the bite shop with, and we also used to go to Cal State Long Beach. And we asked them, hey, can we use these computers that we would like to, you know, learn to program them and stuff. We know computers because, you know, we had 
spent some time on those Apple II computers, and they said, sure, just go get have your parents write a note saying that the parents are, are responsible for you, and they will they waive um, all responsibility for the university for anything done by these two, the, you know, the minor child. So it was that easy for us to get access to the um, mainframe computers at uh, California State University in Long Beach. Uh, there was two main computers. I, I remember one of them was called RISTUS, which means which is R S T S, and then Cyber, uh, C Y B E R, and um, maybe one of them might have been a uh, Univac or Sperry, and one of them might have been a uh, Honeywell or something like that, like, uh, mainframe computers. But they were in the back. We didn't actually operate the computer, big computer components in the com- in the computer room. We we would operate the terminals. They all fed to terminals, and the, there'd be a whole room full of terminals with about maybe 12 computer terminals in the uh, computer lab that the students, the college students, would be using to program and do things for their classes and fortunately and they were not all full but they were there would always be only maybe two three four people in there that might be because we were there on weekends some of the time but um, then when we would save our program we'd write a program and save it that might have been where I wrote my first program. And we actually would save it on punch cards. And it would punch these cards. And it used a lot of cards. Because one card would only be one line of code. So for a computer program, you need a lot of lines of codes. You need thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands uh, of lines of code. So, but our programs were very small, so we would have maybe a hundred lines of code because being just ordinary kids, we would get pretty burnt out after writing a hundred lines of code. So we'd have a very basic game that would be text-based, and it would say, basically, uh, you're in a spaceship, um, do you want to blast off, yes or no? In text, you would answer yes or no. If you answered yes, it would say, okay, you have blasted off and you are now in outer space. If you said no, then it would say, okay, uh, let me know when you want to blast off or whatever. Uh, and then you'd get to a point that would say, you know, there are some uh, Klingons off the starboard bow or whatever. Uh, do you want to raise shields or fire or whatever else? And it might give you um, several things to choose from, and then you could say, raise shields or fire. Now I never um, I never like added too much to it. It was definitely incomplete uh, as far as you know really getting to the nitty-gritty of a space battle or you know doing other things in space it did not did not have but it was complete as far as doing what it did blasting off and kind of let you use your own mind. So a lot of games operated that way. We played a one adventure game um, that would say, you know, it had no 
graphics. It would be, you know, you, you're in a forest. Do you want to go straight? Um, or turn left or right? Or you could also hit northeast, south, west. You'd have to press N for north, south, S for south, E or W. Um, and basically, it would have little uh, keywords you could type. It knew a few words. Maybe it knew a hundred words or something. And you could basically explore things. It would tell you the necromancer is um, doing some kind of magic on you or whatever. You're some creature you're fighting. Uh, you know, what do you want to do to fight this creature? And that's the kind of game we would play at the bite shop on the Apple II, and then Lloyd, my closest friend, uh, his parents were a tiny bit richer than my parents, and they were able to buy him an Apple II computer for about 800 bucks. I think they paid maybe even more than that. They got, um, it came with a monitor, and they paid extra for the hard drive, the disk drive, floppy disk drive, which is very expensive. I think they had to pay I think it was uh, easy to remember $666 for the Apple II computer, then you had to pay a couple hundred more for the monitor, and then you had to pay like $500 more for that floppy disk drive because the floppy disk drive was brand new technology in 1978. So it was expensive um, for that floppy drive. Otherwise, you had to use a cassette tape. And if you look on YouTube, you'll see there's a video of a 12-year-old boy who was very similar to us. He was kind of a computer prodigy. And uh, he, his dad, he and his dad were at a computer store that was a lot like the bite shop. And they, um, and he was writing programs on this Apple II computer. Uh, or was that a TRS-80? I think it was an Apple II. Uh, but they didn't even, in that computer store, they did not have a uh, floppy drive. They had a, a tape drive, an audio tape drive. So they, um, I just remember if you look at that YouTube video, the 12-year-old at the computer store, he um, has a hell of a time with that tape drive because those tape drives sucked. They were, they were not good. And... Uh, but people were trying to figure out who that kid was. And uh, I think I had surmised that the kid might have killed himself after uh, he could not get his damn tape drive to work to save or load his um, program. So anyway, other things in the bite shop was uh, you, well, one of the, probably one of the first things you see even before the computer is you see a sort of one of those infinity light mirror decor, lighted decor things from the 1970s that attempts to be very futuristic because you look into it and it has the lights just go on and on deep uh, for infinity into the wall, it looks like. Those were kind of popular at the time. Along with those tacky sort of Italian sculpture lamps that would hang and they, they uh, or maybe Italian f- sculpture f- fountain lamps. Uh, they would actually hang and they would have like a little, like an Italian sculpture. There'd be maybe 
12 or 18 inches big and uh, you'd see droplets of water um, flowing down them slowly which was actually oil like mineral oil or something and light so it was kind of a spectacle but that those were popular in 19 um, you know 75 and then the in 1978 it was those infinity lamps that were uh, brand new and popular so the bite shop had one of those uh, so then in the back room oh in the, in the front there would be you know your regular retail glass display case with like magazines and maybe some software maybe some heart peripherals or something in there and just a few the store was a little bit sparse or maybe I just didn't notice all many um, other products in there because I was focused on the Apple II. I do remember that the portable uh, computer, which was the size of a medium-sized suitcase, was the portable computer. And uh, the top area where the handle would be, uh, you could pull off the top section of it, which was a, a big keyboard section that you would type in. And then... The rest would be the computer and the monitor in one piece that you would that would have a little um, couple feet to stand up, maybe one foot to stand up on and tilt the monitor up so that, you know towards your eyes from the uh, top of your desk or table. That was uh, basically the first or one of the first portable computers, the size of a medium-sized suitcase. Um, and that might have been DEC. I think it was for, uh, was that a compact or a DEC? Can't remember if that was a compact. Might have been the first compact, or it might have been um, another brand. So right in the, right in the back, they also sold uh, photocopy machines. Photocopy machines at the time were were just becoming popular but they were very big and expensive so you'd have to be like a medium size business or bigger to afford one of those um because uh, they were i'd imagine it cost several thousand dollars for the one of those copy machines and they weren't they weren't very good i mean they were good at just you know copying a page of black and white text but uh, that's it. And then, uh, let's see here. Uh, that's it. I just wanted to let you know about the uh, one of the first Apple stores, which was not really an Apple store, but it was the only Apple store of its kind at the time, uh, where you could buy an Apple II computer in 1978. Because there was no, I could not find any record whatsoever on the internet of that, so... I'll keep looking to see if I can find any kind of picture. One thing that me and uh, Lloyd and I did not do a great job of, we did not take a lot of pictures. I did take some pictures, but very few. And I could not find one picture of me and Lloyd with a computer, which was sad because computers were new and historic. And we were some of the first sort of whiz kids 
child prodigies on the um, Apple II computer, and we also would go to Radio Shack, which had the brand new TRS-80 computer, which was uh, black and white. And um, take off your uh, leashy. Come here. He's a good boy. You can play with your whippy friends. Look, there's another little whippy friend. Let's play with your other whippy friend. There's another little whippy friend. Hello. Oh, well, you're a feisty one, huh? You're a feisty little puppy? Get here. Hi there. Oh, you're so cute. You're so pretty, huh? You're such a pretty. Can I pet your puppy? Uh, that's mine, and these ones belong to uh, someone over here, I think. To her, maybe? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, I think he's a little bit scared, but you just got to go real slow so he's not scared. Come here. Come, come. I'm playing. Puppies. Well, let's go this way. Come, Tweety. You're having fun, puppy? Are you having fun? Are you having lots of fun? Aren't you really? Sorry about that. I got distracted by three dogs. Two dogs plus my own dog. <laughs> so I should give you something really valuable since you stuck around even while I was not talking about computers. So. Let's give you something really valuable to reward you. Something that nobody else knows. Now, some people would like to know about the sort of child molester who was at that bite shop. So I'll just briefly bring that up because some people don't want to hear anything about that. And other people would probably like to hear more something technical that nobody else knows uh, technical and historic, perhaps, from 1978. So let me think of anything technical and historic from 1978. I mentioned TRS-80s. Uh, 
what's going to be the most interesting thing for you to know? I really can't even think of anything else. So let me tell you the um, pedophile story first, and then we'll tell you about anything technical I can think of. Um, 13 years old, 12 to 13, 12 and 13, uh, gay boy. For sure, although I can't really know 100%, but I knew as much as a 12 or 13 year old could know. But um, the, uh, I think I left, actually went to use the bathroom in the bike shop and uh, left my fly unzipped, I believe, not on purpose, <laughs> accidentally. And then I think he, um, uh, one of the managers, I don't think it was a store manager. I think it was a regional manager. I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was. It could have been the main guy who invented the bite shop, who was a really famous and nice guy. It could have been him. It could have been somebody else. Because I, I, I can't. I can't remember the exact face and the exact name from 1978. Uh, but he did sort of help me with my zipper, and uh, I think he sort of. Um, let his finger roam a little bit while he was helping me with my zipper. Um, he then also, I think on another day, uh, my hand was on the table, I mean on the chair, on the top back of the chair, and I think he purposely kind of leaned in uh, to my hand when he was, uh, we both happened to be in the same spot at the same time talking to somebody or something and uh, I think I felt uh, some manhood there pressed against my hand so uh, I don't think he should go to jail for life for that in fact I don't think he should even be um, uh, maybe the lightest slap on the wrist possible for that type of child uh, bothering because uh, there was um not much aggression there. Not much uh, damage done. I'd say very little, uh, zero, uh, zero damage done. Uh, uh, so, but I'm still trying to give you now something um, technical to take away that only you will know, you and I. And uh, maybe I'm just trying to be too ambitious of what I can come up to give you so let's just say this you are one of the few who is even aware of the bite shop Long Beach 1978 and some of the things that were going on around there certainly a uh, few people know that uh, and that's it I'm Corey Chambers in Los Angeles and uh, thanks for listening I'd love to hear from very few people listen to these anchor podcasts, which I think are also uh, sent out to um, other audio online services. Okay. Corey Chambers, Los Angeles, your home sold guaranteed or I'll buy it. Thank you so much. And, uh, oh, do communicate with me whenever you want. You can call me at my main mobile number, 213-880-9910. Email me, coreychambers at yahoo.com. That's C-O-R-E-Y, chambers at yahoo.com. 
Of course, uh, we've got the at Corey Chambers. Yeah, so you got plenty of ways to reach me. I'd love to hear from my very few listeners, very few and very valuable uh, fans and listeners. Thanks again. You take care. Bye-bye.